right, this is Bonehead Weekly. We're really excited tonight because we have the director, Jeff Burr. Welcome to our show, sir. Well, well, thank you for having me, and thank you for your interest in my work, and uh, 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 thank, thank you for, again, thank you for having me. It's, all, it's always a pleasure to uh, talk to, to people in the know. Hey, listen here. <laughs> Before you say it's a pleasure, <laughs> let's talk for a few minutes. This could get really shitty really quick for you. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I, I've i heard it all, you know, so, so right. uh, you know, right. I, I, no, no problem. So uh, really quick, I wasn't going to tell you this. I haven't told you this in the text messages because I wanted it to be a surprise. You and I have actually met before, and you're not going to remember. Okay, well, that's what you, I will remember because if it's anything to do with Kentucky, it had to be in Pikeville, Kentucky. Was not. That's a good guess. Okay. That's not where we it, met. Well, because there was, there was that one Dark Woods uh, convention I went to there, and I met a lot of people from Kentucky. Um, oh, and maybe maybe the maybe the other one, Louisville, Kentucky, the uh, whatever that's called. No nope. that convention. Nope, you're not going to remember it. I've got you. <laughs> so a little bit about myself, Mr. Burden. First of all, we want to say thanks to Mick Strawn for making this happen. But I and Chad and James, we we do a lot of cons, like you were just talking about. So okay, I do okay. the main stage at at Lexington Comic Con. We do Scarefest and several others on top of this. And, so we get to meet a lot of celebrities and it's a great, as I always say, it's good work if you can find it, right? Exactly. And we enjoy you know, it. We're, we're all fans. We're all fans. We're all fans. Exactly. That's, actually, that's one of the great, that's what we found out probably during those last years is the really fun people to talk to are the fans. Fans, uh, yeah. That the people like yourself are actual fans, right? So. The oh, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know a filmmaker that's not a fan uh, that would not geek out with a lot of, you know, certain celebrities or certain right. uh, actors or, you know, other directors, whatever. Yeah. So here's the story really quick. Many, many years ago, you were at a horror hound in Indianapolis. And I, 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 yep, 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 yep. And you, I can tell you exactly when that was. That was 2010. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Uh, it was when I can tell you exactly. I was making a movie in that area. What movie was it? Which one? Uh, it's one that, that never came out, never got finished and, uh, probably for the best. I mean, it was, one, it was the, I was about to say one of the, you know, it was the strangest filmmaking experience I've ever had. Okay. Well, it wasn't well, resurrection, was it? Uh, and, and it will never be resurrected, but yes, that's exactly what it was. Oh, wow. Okay. Cause I, I yeah. Uh, when I was doing my research, I knew some of the films you did, but I didn't know Resurrection. <laughs> I was actually fascinated with Resurrection because you worked with Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a uh, oh my gosh, that's that's a that's a, that's a whole podcast in itself. But, but <laughs> well, I, do, I do remember going, I do remember going to that convention, and the reason I was there at that convention was uh, a funny reason. And I will I will kind of jump your story before you tell yours. That's okay. Uh, the, re the reason I was there was to find an actor to do a little cameo in the movie that we were doing, uh, hopefully the, like the next day or whatever, uh, to shoot, uh, to stay like an extra day for the convention uh, to shoot a, a little scene for that movie, to have some kind of name, quote unquote, name value. So, and uh, <laughs> we ended up shooting uh, Richard Lynch, uh, yeah. in, uh, uh, in, 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 who I'd worked with before and, and loved, and he was just a re I, just, I, I loved him. Uh, he, we ended up shooting him in his hotel room <laughs> as president of the United States. And uh, <laughs> it, it was 
as you can imagine, completely bizarre and uh, hilarious. All right, but, but that's that, that's what happened. That's why <laughs> that's why I was there at that convention. Yeah, we're all. I wasn't, I wasn't a I wasn't a guest or anything. You know. No, no, you were. You had paid admission. Here's how I. Yeah, know. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll here's how it happened. So guess who was at Richard Lynch's table with an obscure poster for God told me to, which is called several other things because I so wanted called, him to sign it. Demon. Demon was one of the other titles. Right, and, right. Uh, you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. So yeah. he was yeah, actually, sure. he gave me a few extra because I, this is before I started doing cons. This is, I've been doing these last seven or eight. This is when I was just, not that I'm not a fan, but you understand what I mean. Before I was actually sure. on the main stage doing all this. It was just me going to a con and meeting him. And I was at his table and he took a few extra minutes because he, because I had to, you know, it's a little bit more obscure at the table. I love to, used to love to do that. I would get their obscure movie posters or something that not as necessarily everybody brought to them, right? Sure. You walk up and just totally obliterate what we're talking about, start talking to him at his table. No, I'm not done. I'm not done. So my, at the time, my wife and I, this is before we had our child, were just, that's fine. He's like, oh my God, that's Jeff Bird. I looked at her, I was like, oh my, he directed Leatherface. And I was trying to explain to her that done to not get pissed that this isn't, isn't some random dude, right? And so you're talking to him and he's like, oh, just stop by the hotel, which is also funny. And here's what you said. And we both make this joke all the time, nine years later. You asked him what hotel, and he says, ah, I think it's La, La, La Quinta or La Quinta, whatever you want to call it. And you said, you know what that's Spanish for, don't you, Richard? And he goes, no. And you go, near the Denny's. <laughs> I said that? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't remember that, but that, that, thank you for that witticism. I, I, <laughs> no, I just, I, I, so we both still laugh about that, just the, that, that encounter and I was like oh this is a director just paid to get in she had no idea I was explaining to her and then I smiled you said hi and then walked away and we both just every time we see a La Quinta La Quinta it's always that Spanish <laughs> near the Denny's <laughs> well I, I apologize for interrupting your I'm sorry but, but that's that's why I, but, but there was fruit uh, from that labor because he actually shot uh, a little scene <laughs> at the and, La <laughs> yeah, and we paid him. I, I don't know what the producer paid him, but you know, like, probably like five hundred bucks or something. But uh, you know, but it was it was just one of those uh, hilarious. I mean, I mean, sad in in the sense that okay, here's a guy that worked with Pacino and and yep. uh, been on Broadway and this and that, and and just was a hell of an actor. I mean, no joke. Uh, oh, and, he uh, was. He's I, great. You know, well, you know, you know how good he was. Yeah. Um, and, and then or you know, we're in a hotel room. <laughs> he's, I'm just, I have, I have very fond memories of uh, of that of that particular night, and uh, he he was just, I loved him, and uh, I got to work with him about three times, very very obscure movies, and uh, but he was not, not he was I did I did a movie with him in Romania, and he was there for about a month and a half, so I got to know him pretty well, yeah, and uh, and he was. Just, I have so many Richard Lynch stories and, and, and satellite stories about Richard Lynch and his entourage. Well, tell me, uh, but, tell, uh, us, uh, tell us at least one good one. By the yeah. way, do you know who was re next to the table who was trying to also get your attention and talk to you? I wonder if you remember this. Do you know? Well, who okay, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who ended up having, after, just after the day kind of finished and I ended up having drinks with Richard Lynch and David Hess. That's who it uh, was. It was okay, David Okay, well, there Hess. you go. No, and, 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 no, and I, I, I met, and I met David Hess years, years earlier 
in San Francisco at a film festival, and we had a great night out. And just because and he's David Hess was a fascinating guy. He's well, so he's much more than right? just Last House. On, he's so much more than Last House on the Left. And you know, they, I mean, even though he's great in that movie, he was a incredibly fascinating guy. Yeah, definitely a, I mean, a songwriter, musician. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean. Dabbled in all the arts, and he had a lot of did a lot of stuff in Europe that you've never seen, and and, and just I'm mean, just a, just a fascinating guy, and, and and it's kind of a shame that he's only known, I mean, I mean mostly known for Last House on the Left, and he's brilliant in it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, he's he's brilliant in it. But then yeah. uh, just you know, it's just like a guy you would have picked off the street to do that role, and just just terrifying, you know. Yeah. But uh, but he was just a fascinating. You know, he he wrote stuff. He wrote he wrote songs for Elvis Presley and and yeah. uh, uh, just just a really interesting guy to talk to. And just and just you know, I mean, just a, a prince and hilarious and and great sense of humor. And so uh, so it was great to, to reconnect with him too. So and, gonna... and the other person I remember I, I didn't get to talk to as much as I want. I, I just basically said hi. I'm a I'm a admirer of your work, uh, Mary uh, Catherine Mary Stewart. Yep, I don't remember. She was there. there yeah, so she was. She was there, and and um, and I was really surprised that she was there. I think it was one of the first conventions she ever did. And yeah. um, I and I was, I was, and I'd done a film with Terry Kaiser. Uh -huh. He was in my first movie. He's actually the first one of the first professional actors I ever directed. And uh, I wanted to talk to her about him because the weekend at Bernie's and stuff. But uh, but anyway, but but that, I, I I definitely rem I don't remember interrupting you. I'm sorry. No, I did. please stop but, saying but you're sorry. At, at the time, at the time, it was for a good cause. <laughs> I, please, when I told you that story, it was in no way to make you feel, but it was to make you laugh. And two things, well, the one thing was to make you laugh, and the second was no one, I just wanted to prove how different we are than maybe other people that have talked to you. No one's ever going to start out an interview with you with that specific of a question and an anecdote. <laughs> that, is, that is very true. That is very true. Uh, and I love yeah, the absolutely. Fact I love the fact the next day you shot that scene and I didn't even, I watched the deal go down. It didn't even occur to me. Yeah. Yes. You you basically watched the beginning of that deal. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and and as I say, it was just, it was just uh, I mean, I, I don't have the footage, but I wish, I wish you could see the, just the raw dailies from his performance. Cause it was uh, unbelievably hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of in a comedic bent. And uh, but played straight, but uh, he was just uh, he was he was wonderful. But at the same time, I, I mean, it's the Ed Wood thing. It's like okay, you're you're giving a guy who no one else is giving a guy uh -huh. a, a job, you know. Right. But at the same time, the level of the job you're giving him is so far beneath his real talent that it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, you know, I mean, there, there's two ways to look at it, right? And 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 one way is look, actors act, and and yeah. you you know, directors direct. I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you gotta you gotta, gotta keep in the arena. You gotta keep doing it, right? right. And and so in that sense, I have no, um, I have nothing but great feelings about it because they put money in his pocket and and he got to act, you know. Yeah. But it's just the the level of the production compared to what what I remembered him from. And look, Larry Cohen was kind of—it was kind of like a Larry Cohen deal, you know what I mean? It's uh -huh. like Larry Cohen did stuff like this all the time. Yeah, right. Um, but but it's a little higher level because you know, 
35 millimeter back in the 70s and 80s and all that, you know, but, and this was a digital uh, production. And anyway, but, 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 but I have nothing but, but incredibly fond memories of, of Richard Lynch and, uh, and, and just was a, a very big admirer of his talent because he was just, He's, wonderful. He's, fan, he's fantastic in the movie you're talking about with Pacino. That's Pacino and how no, no, he, he, he's Scarecrow so damn good, too, right? He's, he's great. It, it, exactly. And I, I feel very, I'll tell you a little anecdote about, about Scarecrow. Oh, um, great, because that's supposedly Hackman's favorite performer, favorite of his movies. He, I mean, Hackman, is, Hackman is so good in that. I mean, I mean, yeah. just, I mean oh, oh, man, I, I love him more than Pacino in it, for sure. I mean, I Hackman, do, Hackman I've is never probably seen it my, about two years ago. Hackman is probably my favorite. If I had to name a gun to my head, name a favorite film actor, Hackman would probably be it. Yeah. Because um, he was he was just an and then he retired. I mean, he worked his ass off, but he retired too early. Um, yeah, I agree. But he's but he's but he's happy and all that. And and he I don't think he he's been asked by big directors to do stuff, and he, he still he refuses. So I don't think he'll ever act again. But anyway, but 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 Scarecrow, um, I got to take Richard Lynch. I called him up because I found out there 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 was a program at a, at an art center in Los Angeles uh, that that has a director, a famous director, speaking about a film that influenced them. So, like for example, like William Friedkin came and showed Treasure Sierra Madre. Right. That influenced. Anyway, so this a French director. Um, and I'm blanking on his name, unfortunately, but uh, for the very big French director came and and showed Scarecrow. Yeah. So I told so I told Richard Lynch this is happening because he didn't he didn't necessarily know all this stuff because he was living in Riverside in in the uh, in the desert mm-hmm. uh, next to Don Calfer. Don Calfer was his best friend. Oh, I didn't this know was, that. So Don Calfer was the Living Dead. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They they were neighbors and they became best friends. Uh, probably the last 15 years, 20 years of their lives. And um, anyway, so... But yeah, keep going, please. So, no, but anyway, so so the director showed Scarecrow and then then kind of the lights came up and he was starting talking about how how much the film influenced him and how much he loved it. Then he specifically said, and and the character uh, played by Richard Lynch, and then Richard Lynch stood up in the audience goes, well, I'm not done yet. I'm here and I'm still here. And there was this great moment where they kind of, where Richard Lynch came out of the audience and and hugged the director and the director hugged him and and, and they, they talked for a long time afterwards. And it was just, it was just a wonderful night um because because it, it just meant a lot to richard that that this french director uh loved the movie so much and and loved meeting him and unfortunately if the, and the french director god I'm, 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 I'm so embarrassed i can't remember his name but he directed the only thing you can look up i know this he did a late movie in, in the late 90s early 2000s that starred that that brought back Jean Paul uh, Jean Paul Belmondo and Alain Delon okay, together to in, a, in a movie, and that's that that would be enough to look up it, in the late nineties, early two thousands. And it's an, it's a it was like a huge hit in France. I don't think it ever played in America um, theatrically. But yeah. uh, but anyway, but but, that, but I was I felt so great that that Richard A could see Scarecrow again through other people's eyes, and and then also meet the director that said he loved he loved his work and and it, it meant a lot it meant a lot and uh and, and richard passed away 
maybe a year after that. Oh, really? Wow. So he, he had he had some he had some health issues when I worked with him in Romania, um, uh-huh. and uh, just did some lung issues and stuff. And, and uh, um, but he, but he was a fighter. He was an ex marine. He was he was a total fighter, and uh, uh, he was a definitely a cinematic warrior. He went all over the world doing how many movies? I mean, I mean just almost always typecast you know as as villain or whatever but mm-hmm. uh just a just just a wonderful guy he could push a few buttons and really activate what he had underneath he was he was just absolutely uh fascinating actor that's awesome and, and i'm so i'm so glad you guys saw scarecrow because that's a, it's a wonderful movie and it's kind of not that many people talk about it now, but it won the Grand, you know, Grand Prix at Cannes uh, in '73 or '74, and um, and it's, it's just a terrific. It's, it's it's exactly the kind of movie they don't make. Yeah, you know, that's that's sad. It's one of those depressing '70s films that you know when the then the inmates were running the asylum that for that short period of time in the '70s when it comes to studios. And I hadn't actually seen it. Chad hasn't seen it. James, have you ever seen it? Uh, actually, I haven't. I was just looking it up. Yeah, it's. I, I'm sure I, you, and you and you got to you have to flow with it. You have to you kind of flow uh-huh. with it because now I'm I'm in contemporary you know 2020 terms. It would be considered very slow, very but but it kind of it just washes over you and and yeah. and sucks you in if you if you let it you know. Yeah, they're, they it. I caught it a couple of years ago. I hadn't seen it till two years ago, so I was late g- catching it. But it was one of those fantastic finds on Turner Classic Movies, you know, that you can get from time. Okay, I got got you, got you. Know Turner Classic Movies is a blessing. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. For and especially for after sure. midnight, you if you go through and just kind of click through Saturday and Sunday nights, they'll have uh, movies from the underground and and. Oh, and well, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But we're here to talk about your career, so. A few episodes ago, we, well, it's been a year, I suppose. We yeah. had someone you may have known or may have talked to. His name is C. Courtney Joyner. And he did all I think I know that guy, yes. Right. <laughs> I, I, hopefully there's not too many. The name, the name is slightly familiar. Yeah. Yes. He actually had nothing but wonderful things to say about you, man, just to be honest. So if you, I actually... So he, so he lied. He lied for the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he, he gave us. He did so much that we turned it into a two-parter, and he was fantastic. And he's just a great raconteur, and we loved having him. No, and he, and, 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 and truly, he is a a, a, a font of uh, film history, and oh, he and he's, yeah. the people the people he's met. I mean, and then I look back on the people I've met or just come in contact with, or. Met through you know fleetingly or whatever it's it's amazing and so uh, but it was so and the one thing about C Courtney Joyner he I want him to write another film and I want him to direct another film. Mm-hmm. I mean, what the hell, you know? I mean, I mean, I really do. I mean, I think um, I mean I know he's, he's, there's many other things he's doing and and uh, and the, the novels and the uh, games and the yeah the, the TV piles and stuff the Captain Nemo. But I, I really wish he would write a. Uh, I really wish because he's got he's got he, he, he's already had greatness out there, or goodness at the very least, and he's got a great film in him. Yeah. And uh, that that's yet to come out, and I don't know what 
if you squeeze, squeeze him hard enough, maybe it'll come out. I don't know. But he's got to get it out. He's got to get it out. Well, uh, so before we get – he, I want to ask you some questions about getting from Georgia to California and whatnot. But before we get there, the one question I want to ask you is he talked about meeting Vincent Price and you both go into his house. And I'll actually, can you give us your uh, – your take or your memory on that story? Do you guys remember? I remember it. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. No, I'm sure my memory is somewhat like his, uh, but but it was maybe a little heightened. But because uh, okay. I really, I really felt, and, and, and wrongly probably in in the grand scheme of it, but I felt he's got to be in this movie. He's got to be in this movie, and no, I wouldn't I take think, no for it. You're right. And and uh, so so I, I probably. I mean, I would say me mentally, I had more at stake. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah, so, it, was your, um, it was your first. It was your first full-length director directing job. No, no, and I felt, I felt for for whatever reason, if he was in it, it would be validated yes. as a real movie or something. You know what I mean? It was Absolutely. Just and you were a fan, it. right? And and to just oh, of have course, no, of course, and and, and and he had. And he hasn't. He hadn't done at that time. He hadn't done a, 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 a quote-unquote horror movie in a while. So it was like it wasn't like rediscovering him because he never was out of favor. But um, I just felt that it would, it would be very meaningful to have him in the movie. I agree. I think so. So so walking up, walking up uh, his driveway and uh, ringing that doorbell uh, was, was more um, uh, impactful. And not not that, that I was a bigger fan of his than Courtney was. That's not not true at all. But uh, it just for me, it was like I've got to get this. I mean, I mean, I, I didn't think this at the time, but I know that was my attitude. Was I got to get this motherfucker in the movie? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. So so when we rang the bell and he answered, and he and he he truly could not have been more gracious. Uh, more uh, generous with his time, um, and that's a lesson for everyone. I mean, I mean, it just and, and I've I've found this with most uh, most people that like the bigger they are, the more the more gracious they are. Yeah. And uh, and, and and usually the the quote unquote nasty people or whatever are people with their own uh, issues for whatever reason. You know the but say. I, I don't mean this literally, but let's say the Robert Corey versus the Vincent Price. Yeah. You know, if you if you get if you get that reference. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, but Vincent could not have been more uh, forthcoming, and and it just he had every reason. And and today it would not happen like it did because because this was this was in 1985, uh-huh. so it was way way before a, a lot of, of of bad things that happened celebrity wise, et cetera. Yeah. So. So, so it, it truly was, and I, I mean this literally. It truly was a different era. Yeah, no, and, I uh, and 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 I and I feel I feel very sad that that era is gone because because there there were so many times where movies got made by someone that had courage to ring the doorbell and give somebody a script or show them a movie or whatever that, away from the proper channels yeah. to the, to to then convince them to to you know. Right. To, to to jump the gatekeepers, and and ha- and and go to somebody face to face. Yeah. And uh, so many movies got made that way in the '50s, '60s, '70s, '80s, and now it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And 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 I understand why it doesn't happen. I'm not. I certainly don't 
blame anyone for having big fences and security systems and all that kind of crap. No, but they have to protect themselves. It's the same thing with scripts. I mean, you just people. Oh, no, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that everybody thinks now in a totally different way. And, uh, and, 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 and I'm not saying they're wrong. It's just, it's just, it's just sad that, it, that it that's sad. the first thought. It it's sad, sad that that's the first thought. The, the first thought of a screenwriter, oh, if, if Joe Blow reads my script, he's going to rip me off yeah. and then, or, you know, or put it on social media and, and embarrass me or something or whatever. Or, uh, that's or, the first, or, that's the first thought. Or let's say you have the balls to uh, come up to you and say, you know what? You're a great director, loved your movies, want you to read this script. And you're not going to read, and I'm not saying you're not to, but most people. No, 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 I know. No, exactly. The, the paranoia factor would be okay, I read the script, but let's just say uh, arbitrarily that it's so similar to the, the script that I'm writing right now that nobody knows about that I'm going to get sued because I read that script yep. and, he, and I, make, I make my movie and he goes, oh, you ripped me off. You know, I mean, that's, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so that's why all the, um, you know, the, the you got to sign a million papers for anyone to read a script, you know? Yeah, it is true. And as for, uh, so Chad, James and I are I always, I always say I'm a failed filmmaker. You know, we've made a lot of short films and stuff, but trying there's to no, There's no such thing as a failed film. If, if, you, <laughs> if you want, if you, if you're a filmmaker and you've made films, you're a filmmaker at the end. Well, thank there's you. No I appreciate thing. that. No, that's, that's the truth. I and thank you, but it's you know, and trying to get our stuff seen and read. I mean, we've run into this, and it's just one of those things. But can you? He Courtney talked about the first thing that he noticed when he opened the door, and then he could smell it to this day was the smell of them baking bread. No, he was baking bread. I mean, that was. I mean, that was. It was. He, he didn't. He, that's one of the first things he told us. But that was. That was. Even if he didn't tell us, it was obvious. I mean, cause, yeah. you know, we we had enough knowledge where we knew he was a, a cook and and a gourmet and and uh, you know appreciator of fine cuisine and all that. So it didn't. It, not necessarily we were surprised, but it was. Oh, that, that's a, that's an absolute true statement and uh, it's absolute truth. And he goes. Basically, he said. Something to the effect of, you know, oh, oh guys, uh, well, come on in, but I can only spend a little time with you because I'm baking bread. And he ended up spending like 20 minutes with us. Yeah. He, he sat us down, and and and, and, and the, the beautiful thing about Vincent, and this is, this is something that, that I hope I have too in, in, in a lot of ways, is that he was very curious and interested about other people. Many actors will, will, will look like, like, oh, well, I don't want to talk anymore about me. What do you think of me? <laughs> you know, you know that, that kind of thing. Where where he was completely the opposite. Where he would want to know everything about you. He wouldn't wouldn't want to talk about himself. He he, he wanted to know what where you were, what your background was, what just what interesting things about you. And and that's kind of the conversation it was. I mean, we t of course told him we were fans of you know million movies that he had done and all that. But he he really wanted to know about us and. Not in a not in a accusatory way or a, a you know um, anything like that. It was just it was just genuine interest, right? And he, he had genuine interest in other people, which which I think is a essential quality for an artist. And, and he truly was an artist. So so it was, here's the thing: we we had bought a bottle of wine. Yeah. Uh, to take to because we knew he, he he loved wine, and so we 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 got this at a wine store on Sunset Boulevard. We'd gotten that with our script 
And so, so we gave that to him and he was, he was very appreciative. And then after we, after we left, I don't know I'm, I'm not kidding. I think it had to be there at least 20 minutes. Uh-huh. It wasn't like a two minute. Okay, guys, thanks. And take off. It was like 20 minutes. I mean, it was like, it was a good, nice talk with him. And, uh, in his house, you know, I mean, he had every right, not every right, every, Every instinct probably told him, okay, just be nice to him, but just just shuffle him off and say, call my agent, yeah. you know, which is how it how it's done. And uh, but he didn't do that, so he, he was incredibly gracious. So the next day, probably two days later, two days later, we got a phone call on our answering machine because Courtney was living. Courtney, Darren Scott, the producer, my brother Bill, the other producer, me and various other people, Mike Malone and I think Bill Edwards was, was there too. So there was a, a, a six people living in a house in Tahunga, California. And we had you know, one answering machine for everyone. Right. And so I, so Vincent left a message saying, I read the script, I like it, but you know, I don't know if it's for me, but I like the script, but I don't know if it's for me. And he said it like twice. Uh-huh. But, but th- thank you for thinking of me and uh, thank you for the wine, blah, blah, blah. And so it was like a, in Hollywood terms, it was like a uh, a soft no. Uh-huh. Uh, but but for us, we were like, okay, he didn't say no. He didn't say he didn't say you know, you know he didn't say I I love everything, but he didn't say I hate everything. It was like it was still kind of a question mark for us because we were naive and whatever. I was about to say you yeah. guys were just young and dumb enough to get away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And it's just so 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 the the. If you heard the message as a, a savvy Hollywood player and in 1985, you would go, he doesn't want to do the movie. Yep. But for, to our ears, it was like, well, he didn't say no. <laughs> you know, so, so maybe, you know, maybe if we show him the movie, if we, if we make the movie and show him his pieces of it, whatever, it'll, you know, he, he may want to do it, whatever. So, so it wasn't, it wasn't off. When we went to make the bulk of the movie, the, the stories, it wasn't off the table in our mind. Anyway, it wasn't off the table that he, he might want to do it later, you know, cause we didn't have to shoot him, uh, in Georgia where we we're shooting the movie. Right. So, uh, so anyway, so that's, that's the initial Vincent Price thing. And, and, and also anyone who's interested in the, uh, in that movie, uh, please get the Blu-ray because there is a an amazing documentary from uh, Daniel Griffith from Ballyhoo Productions that uh, it, it's a stunning documentary. It's, a, it's, it's longer than the film itself. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. My, uh... and, and, it, and, it, and it tells in very great detail how the movie was made and it almost my goal and Daniel's goal in making the, the documentary was I never want to talk about the movie again. This will, this will be my statement <laughs> on the movie. Anything you'll ever want to know about the movie, watch that documentary, which of course is not true. But, well, but, but, but anyway, in all seriousness, if, if you are a, any of your listeners want yeah. to know more about the movie, it, it's almost like in these days, especially, because of the whole, again, another era when we made that movie, it's um, it's almost better to see the documentary first and then watch the movie. 
Yeah. Because then you'll understand what what was what we went through and 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 just the totally different way of making a movie was in in 1985. Right. An independent movie for very little money. So while I've got you, let's talk a little bit about you going. So you were born in Ohio, and then you, you're, I'm assuming your parents moved you to Georgia, Dalton, Georgia. Yeah, exactly. I was born in Cincinnati, and um, but only lived there like less than a year, uh-huh. and then uh, moved outside of, outside of Cleveland for like a couple of years. So I was like three, basically like three years old when it, when they moved to Georgia, okay. and, and they and they were they they had culture shock. They were like. My my dad and mom were from Buffalo, New York, and so they moved to a. They got transferred. My dad got tra- transferred working at a company called Cabin Crafts, which is a uh, textile carpet company. Which makes and, it uh, Dalton with carpet. Yeah, no, no, exactly. That's why he was transferred to Dalton, and so right. so it's like here they are, you know, Yankees, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> tra- transferred to Dalton, Georgia, in the heart of the South, and yeah. a very small town. Um, a town of about twenty thousand at the time. Yeah. So, what? But but I but I just to be clear, I I, I basically from age three on grew up in Dalton, Dalton, Georgia, and and you yeah. and you're there today, right? You that's where you live at mm-hmm. today. My mom is still here, and I'm taking care of her, and uh, right. Uh, she's she's doing it. She's doing okay. She's ninety three. Oh, and, congratulations! Uh, yeah, no, it's, she's awesome. amazing. She's amazing. Yeah, and. Uh, and Dalton, Dalton has changed a lot, and um, but it's, there's enough still that, that it's kind of like the town I grew up, but but it's it's changed a lot too for for the for the better. Right. It's not and necessarily. It's, 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 it's a very right now. It's a very diverse town. Yeah. Uh, there's a big Hispanic population here, and uh, mm-hmm. it's a fascinating. It's actually a fascinating town. Yeah. Now that that makes absolute sense, and now you have access to movies and things that you wouldn't have had access to at the time. So let me ask you, what were your influences, and how did you make the trip out to Hollywood? What were some of the influences growing up on you? What were some of your favorite movies? What what, what led you to want to be well, a filmmaker? That's that's a great question, and uh, one that I can't totally answer. But there's like a I don't know, but <laughs> I can tell you. No, because like there was no there was no background in it. There was no yeah. Um, it wasn't like uh, yeah. But but I'll say this: one of the backgrounds in it, I think, it had to be a huge influence on me. And I'll get into the film influence later. But the I think the the I, my parents both got involved in community theater. Oh, okay. uh, in like the late sixties. So I was like at seven or eight, somewhere around there, early seventies. And they they got really involved in it, and so I would go see the plays, see the see the sets being built, see the backstage, you know, see and, and sometimes the cast parties were at, at my, the house, you know, I see all the fun that they had and stuff, you know, and so I think that had to be a looking back on it, that had to be a huge influence on me, you know, and. Um, and 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 you know, my dad was in the Odd Couple playing Oscar, and you know my mom did uh, uh, my sister Eileen, and 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 my mom directed some stuff at, at the local church, and so so I think I think there was definitely there was there was that kind of theatrical background, um, and and they just loved doing it just because you know meeting people and and they loved being around social the social aspect of it. 
um, so so I think that that had to be a big influence on me. And then and then for whatever reason, I just fell in love with movies too. And uh, at a very early age, and uh, saw some. I mean, the first movie I remember seeing in a theater uh, was Thunderball, a James Bond movie. And I had to be like three, three and a half. I saw it in Florida. Like they, they were uh, took us down to Florida. Yeah, I know uh, you can't see it, but Jay, our, our our other our other co-host James just threw a fist up in the air, going "woohoo!" Yeah, yeah no, I, I did it. I still, have, I still have a, but I remember that the, the scene I remember from it as a as a three-year-old, and it was just horrifying to me because you, you can't process stuff, especially then. Yeah, um, there there was a scene where a uh, uh, a guy who piloted a plane that stole a plane. Uh, it's now underwater, and he's breathing through his uh, uh, mask, his oxygen mask, uh, as a um, as a pilot, you know. And and then he his seatbelt is uh, lo- is locked, and he can't get out of it. So he's motioning to the people that are going to steal this plane underwater uh-huh. to cut it, cut him out of his seatbelt. And instead, the guy cuts him out of his oxygen, and yeah. he and he drowns. And I was just like, that was just it's so, for me, just so horrifying. Oh, yes. As, as a little kid that it just always stuck in my mind. Yeah. And, uh, and and that movie, a lot of the underwater stuff, especially in that movie, just really, really stuck with me. And and, and then in Dalton, uh, there was, uh, there were two, when I was first there in Dalton, there were two, uh, quote unquote, hard top theaters. And then there were two drive-ins. Well, I was going and, to ask you about the drive-in. I was waiting for you to. I was oh man, no, no. That, just, oh, the drive. I saw so many movies at the drive-in, and um, and and because they would show back in the let's say mid to late seventies, they would show stuff sometimes from the mid sixties. You know, yeah. so they would show James Bond movies. They would show uh, the man, the man with no name, the Eastwood spaghetti western mm-hmm. Leone stuff. It was just weird stuff, and and they would have some kind, sometimes triple bills, you know, not necessarily dust till dawn, but but you know, triple bills of, of three horror movies and stuff. So yeah. certainly when when my my brother was older, by two years, so when he could drive, I would beg him to take me to the drive-in if I saw an advertisement in the paper of like you know, Blood of Dracula's Castle. Oh man, I gotta see that movie. <laughs> take me, take me, you know. And uh, and he and he was very good about it. He would and uh, a movie I vividly remember seeing at the drive-in earlier because Bill couldn't drive, my brother and I couldn't drive. Was Phase Four. I, I love that movie to this day. And I saw the ad in the paper. It was only like two days only. Phase Four, and it was like probably 1973. Uh-huh. And uh, and I just begged. I mean, flat out. I don't know why. Because I saw that the ad in the paper, I don't know why it attracted me so much. And I go, man, I gotta see this movie. And it was only there for two days. So I, I just begged my mom and dad, you gotta take me, you gotta take me. I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta go see this movie. And and thankfully, lo and behold, they did. And um, and so I saw Phase Four, and, and they put me up in the front. My brother and I were in the front. They were in the back seat. And and like ten minutes into the movie, I hear my dad, Jeffrey. What the hell is this? <laughs> and I was riveted, you know. I was just like, "How dare you even speak?" 
you well, know. I've never seen um, Phase Four. I'm looking it up. That is the damn. Oh, you got to see. You got to see the the capper. The capper to the story. Yeah, they hated the movie. I, I loved it. Uh, the capper of the story is I got to tell the director of the movie years later, Saul 19, Bass. 19, yeah. 1984, Saul Bass. I got to hug him and, and tell him how much that movie meant to me. And uh, and he, he he was another guy. He couldn't have been more gracious, and he was laughing. And we, we were in a film festival together, and, uh, and it, it was just it was great. And it was just so <laughs> great to be able to tell the director, I love this film. You know, and and uh, and because he because it was not a necessarily well regarded film back then, but now it's kind of grown in uh, cult status. Well, now I've got to see it. I have. I have. I feel like I've missed. Oh, it's good. Say, I'll say this: it's a one of a kind movie. Absolutely, yeah. one of a kind movie. Never seen anything like it. So you grew up. Uh, you got into film school. Is that the reason you? Yeah, I, I, I did. Yes, exactly. Because I, I started. You know, when I was maybe eleven somewhere around there to, to make uh, super eight movies. Uh-huh. And, uh, and my brother was a huge help with that and a huge influence. And, um, so, so I would make super eight movies. There were some other, again, not to, uh, be a, a promoter, but, um, no. there's a documentary on this, on the straight, the, on the, uh, uh, from Worcester to Scream, uh, okay. Blu-ray. There's a documentary called a decade under the innocence, which, which kind of relates all this, what I'm telling you is making films in Super 8 and getting the town to help and support. And, and it was, we had a, a creative arts guild that, that started a film program. And um, so there was a, a lady named Bernice Spiegel that, that really was instrumental in kind of creating that program. And there were some mentors that helped us and some high school, student, high school teachers that helped us. There, was, uh, there were two other people that made movies. Uh, it, it, there was like they, Mark Hannon and Alan Poston were hand post productions, and I was Conquest Films, and uh, and so, so we were kind of competitors in a way, but but friendly competitors. And so we would make we would make help each other out on on films and and make. So we we made I don't know, uh, I made like six or seven projects. They made more than that mm-hmm. uh, throughout uh, junior high and high school. Yeah. So, so for me, each one got more and more ambitious, or more and more, uh, dare I say, professional. They weren't professional, but um, so, so I, I just knew for sure I wanted to go to Los Angeles to learn like professional filmmaking, right. and and with, which now is is completely um, you would not would, would not certainly in Georgia would not necessarily do that because Atlanta is a huge uh, production yeah. center and right. um, you, but, you but, but back then but back then it was <laughs> yeah no exactly exactly uh, but back then it was a really there was a, it was either New York or LA to, to learn how to be a professional filmmaker yep and and I always always kind of gravitated towards what was going on in LA uh, the, the more um, I, I guess the more mainstream stuff even though I was never necessarily attracted to mainstream I, I loved all kinds of movies but i was never necessarily attracted to just mainstream stuff but i felt that i would get a a, a really good education out there because all almost all the filmmakers that i knew and loved either lived there or were there you know most of the year so so uh, i went out there and uh and and and, and very luckily 
got into as a freshman, got into USC film school as a production major. Uh-huh. I think there were only 10, 10 that year. And, um, so, so it was, it was, I, I didn't know it at the time or whatever. I knew it was somewhat prestigious, but I, I didn't know how, how much, but, but there was, it was a real, it, in many ways, it was the best thing I could have done because it was, if you thought you were any good yeah. in Georgia, then, then you meet all these other people from around the country, around the world that were like, Jesus Christ, this guy's kicked my ass. I mean, it's like, I, I thought I was a good filmmaker. This guy's made something so much better. Even this is before film school starts, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so it was, the, the film school experience was very eye-opening for me and, uh, and, and ultimately very, very good. Um, because, because also the other thing was, again, this is like, I'm, I'm an old guy. So this is before VHS. You're not an that old really, we it's not, It wasn't, it, it wasn't literally before VHS, but it was before VHS home stuff yeah. caught on, and you and you could buy a, a video cassette for ten dollars. You know, this is way before that. So, so, and and in and growing up in Dalton, I did not see eight and a half. I didn't see uh, you know uh, cocktail films. Yeah, no, uh, they just, about you know they just weren't they weren't you know they weren't there. They were in Atlanta. But not not Dalton in Atlanta might have been might as well have been you know another country to me because they were like two 150 miles away and I 75 wasn't built and all that kind of stuff so so anyway so so immediately getting to LA I saw so many movies that I always heard about but never had seen mm-hmm. so that was that was incredibly eye opening and seeing them on the big screen yeah it was it was it was amazing. Yeah. So, uh, and it wasn't just watching movies, but it was, you know, learning how to make them. But, but, but that was a key thing for me was seeing stuff that I'd always heard about, but not, not seen. And, uh, so, so LA was a, for me, it was a wonderful experience for most of most, most of the time. Um, I mean, the, the way the film school was set up, there were a lot of good things, but there, for me, there were a lot of not so good things. Um, in, ter- in terms of just the, the setup of it, and, and, and a lot of that has changed now. It's, it's, again, totally different. It really, there's almost no connection to the USC I went to and the USC that exists now. Well, you know, so let me talk to you about this a little bit. First of all, I want to ask you what wasn't good for you. And second, this is probably a question you don't get from a lot of people, I'm assuming. But the three of us, we're all from Kentucky. I'm actually, you've been to Pikeville. So I grew mm-hmm. up about an hour and a half in southeastern Kentucky in Appalachia in the hills in what they would call a holler. I'm a Got first, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm a first generation college student. So is Chad uh, and James is almost. So we get that. So I want to ask a little, well, your dad went to college, James. He had yeah. to run up on the rest of us. But um, I want to ask the, about the culture shock a little bit. And I know this really isn't about your movies, but I completely understand when you say, I now live in Lexington, which isn't a huge city. It's not as big as Atlanta, but compared to where I grew up, there was a Sure. No, that's a big, yeah, big deal. Yeah. Lexington is the second biggest city in Kentucky. This, this is considered the big city to most of my family. So I completely understand when you say Atlanta must have, might as well have been on the moon. Can you talk a little bit about the culture shock for being from one hick to another 
and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. No, no, and and and, 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 and in many ways I was a hick, even though. I wasn't in the sense that my parents were from Buffalo, New York. And, and the funny thing, yeah. I don't know if I've ever gone into this in any interview, but the funny thing was like, I, I, I had a Southern accent yeah, me because too. I'm living fucking South and I'm a kid yep. and they, and they would get mad if, if I said certain words a certain way, because that's like, that's, that's, you know, that's not the right way to say it or something. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? This is where I'm living. I mean, I, I, you know, I didn't voice that as a 10 year old kid, but you know, but, but there, there was always that, uh, issue. So, 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 so it wasn't exactly like you're describing, but, but it was in, in many ways. And, and, and certainly intellectually, we had a great, we had a great high school, um, in Dalton and, um, and I had some great teachers, but it's just, you realize how, how big the talent pool is mm-hmm. when you get out there in the, in the, in the real, real, uh, arena, you know? And, and, uh, so it's just like coming from a hollow, go, going to Lexington. If you stay in the hollow all your life, you might be the, the, the smartest guy ever, yeah. you know, but get to, Lex- get to Lexington and all of a sudden you realize, Hey, there are other people just as smart or maybe smarter or whatever. Yeah, or more talented you know <laughs> yeah Chad, and, yeah, and, and that that was that was me going to los angeles for sure yeah um and then not that not that i was an arrogant guy that i thought i was like the smartest or best filmmaker ever no but you just realize the stuff you've gone or have done before you got there uh is is not necessarily better or greater or you know more interesting than a whole bunch of other people in the whole friggin' country, you know? So, so you really realize how big, what I realized and very quickly was how big the playing field was, yeah. you know, and, 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 and how many, and also how many people and how many really talented, smart people wanted to be in the, in the, uh, to be a filmmaker or be in the, in the quote unquote industry. So for, let me give you a compliment for, so for some weaker people, it would be run back to Dalton. But for people who are like you, who are probably adaptive and understand it, it not only does it put you in your place, which is a good thing, but it also helps you raise your game to get to that next sure. level. Sure. No, like, like, like the old analogy of playing tennis with a better person than you, you know, it forces you to up your game. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the other thing was it, it, it just, it, I, I met a lot of people because I would, I mean, if I, if I really like somebody's work, Sometimes I would like write them a letter or try and call them or whatever, you know, people already in the industry mm-hmm. and, and they, they were nothing but uh, incredibly supportive to me. And, and that, that, and that just a little bit means a lot, you know, to, when you're that age. So, mm-hmm. so being out there where, where you could run into somebody or you could make a local call and call a director that you've seen their movie, you know, that, 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 that back then, it was a big, for me anyway, it was a big deal, you know, to, to, to meet a director that I'd seen their movie at the drive-in or, you know, whatever that it was, a, for me, it was a big deal. Cause they they were a real director, quote unquote, cause they're movies I'd seen, you know? And, um, yeah, so, so that was a big, big part of being in LA too. So do you have a specific story about a director you contacted? Who, who was maybe the biggest? Well, I, I will tell you the first time I went out, Joe Dante, I called, he was in the phone book. I called oh, him up. Uh, Joe Dante. Joe Dante, I love, 
because I love Piranha and, and uh, I, I love that movie. And I didn't know that much about him or anything. I didn't know the New World background, you know. And I called him up. It was hilarious. And it was like, because his, his number was the phone book. And I called him up and his ex-girlfriend answered. Like, oh, you want to talk to Joe, do you? Well, he fucking moved out. And uh, you know what? I don't even know why you'd want to fucking talk to him. <laughs> you know, he doesn't live here anymore. I vividly remember that. Let me tell you something. <laughs> so, I, Joe, I don't. I've never met Joe Dante. The three of us have never met Joe. Joe Dante. We're, you mentioned him. It's funny because Chad's laughing. We're all three huge fans, and he we have mutual friends of Joe Dante, yeah. but he has never ever returned one message for me to do this show. It's, it's, it's same with the same with me. I have never, I met him. I met him maybe twice in my life. I met him one time at USC he came for a Roger Corman thing. And I, I it's so stupid, I mean, but it was funny. If you, if, if Joe Dante witticism, but it was like, I, I, I just would, so happy to meet him. I, I just like shook his hand. Go, oh, Mr. Dante, I, I love all your movies. And he goes, I've only made two. <laughs> <laughs> hey, boneheads. Hope you're having as much fun listening to that as we did doing it. It's a two-parter. The second part's going to come out next week. Jeff was gracious enough to do so much and tell us so much that we kind of wanted to split it up over two weeks. So tune in next week for Jeff Bird, the continuation where there's another really good story. If you liked the one about Joe Dante, the next one's going to be even better. So thank you so much. Subscribe, tune in, share us on your social media, and thank you for always supporting Bonehead. Uh-huh. <laughs>